This is the Elite Game Developers Podcast, a podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. In this episode, I have a chat with Anton Gaufin, the founder and CEO of Huge Games. Anton has been an entrepreneur in gaming for two decades now and has seen pretty much everything, all the ups and downs. And in, in some recent news, Huge Games announced that they will soon go public in an IPO on the Warsaw Stock Exchange in Poland. So in this episode, we talk about Anton's views on leadership, company mission, vision, and how Anton has grown to lead a 600-employee company. But before we get into the episode, here's a few words from our sponsors. Hey, game developer, are you looking for great new authentic video creatives? Try something totally new with influencer-generated content, IGC, by Opera Event. Influencers and actors will make specific creative content for your games. An Opera Event will deliver you high-quality video ads that highlight the best parts of your game. Get a free video with a purchase of four or more videos. Remember to say that Elite Game Developers sent you to claim your free video. Go to getigc.com to see some examples and get more information. That's getigc.com. Hi, Anton. Welcome to the show. Hey, Joachim. Uh, thanks for inviting. Uh, good to see you. How's the weather in Espo? <laughs> <laughs> There's actually... Uh, a very decent uh, snow please going on as as you may know i know so, it's uh, the same here in in helsinki <laughs> yeah i i kind of uh i like it so uh it's been a while since uh, uh having a real winter so uh i enjoy that uh quite a bit yeah it is good yeah let's hope it lasts for a while exactly exactly so you know there's uh Decent conditions to play ice hockey, skiing, and all the good stuff. Exactly. Hey, let's get into the meat of the discussion. And my first question to you is, how did you make your way into the game industry and to eventually found huge games? Yeah, so uh, short, long, or the spiced up version. So short I, and spiced. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, given that... So I've been uh, in the gaming uh, business and industry soon for 20 years. 20 years of love is a lot to, you know, talk about. So, and we don't have a whole day here. What got me into gaming when I was a kid? So my dad first bought us C64. So, and soon, not not too kind of a, after that, um, we got our first PC. So, and oh, oh boy, did I enjoy playing games? So I kind of learned English by playing Lisa Suit, Larry, and other, you know, classic adventure games. So, um, and besides games, I was always into business and startups. So since I was like six years old, I, I started talking about starting my own business. So then in university, I bumped into this fellow uh, who had built amazing flash-based browser game with community features that had 50,000 players in Finland. So we kind of pretty soon, we, we, we team up. We realized that we saw things similarly. And uh, I became the business, the CEO, and he was the tech, the CTO. That's how we started in 2002 in gaming. So uh, there would be a lot more, you know, to kind of talk about what, what happened after that. But uh yeah, into gaming in, in 2002, into mobile gaming, you know, which was uh, that time, I call it the first era. So like a Java, Brew games, maybe, you know, some Symbian. So uh, I thought that the mobile gaming had an exciting vision. Mm. So, uh, and uh, it was clear to me that I need to get in, we need to get in to mobile. And uh, I started doing some heavy leg work seeking additional talent and uh, eventually that led into raising first angel round in uh, 2005 
and also scoring together with EA Mobile the first 3D FIFA scene on mobile. And that was probably the best looking 3D game on mobile at that time. And that was like 2005, 2006. So that's, you know, after that, all of the that time publishers wanted to work with my first gaming company with the Game Lion. And that's kind of a bit uh, context, how I got into gaming and uh, furthermore uh, into mobile gaming. Mm. I wanted to actually touch base on Game Lion because that was your first games company that must have been a really good educational experience and how did that company impact your mindset about approaching a games company and building a games company you know so first uh, uh i think all of the kind of founders in the beginning beginning of bit naive so you know when there's so much to learn so you know kind of straight from university I had done, you know, uh, I had had some jobs, you know, but uh, this was this was it. So there was a lot to learn. And uh, how do you also learn to build games, the kind of a game products? I have to say that the we were super eager and willing to do, you know, a lot of work and learn fast on on mobile gaming because it was just starting and uh, uh, kind of uh, doing these projects, uh, willing to do almost like whatever sort of a uh, work in order to kind of survive and grow. So because you don't have any funding, you are bootstrapping. So how do you do that? So you need to have a kind of an income sort. It really, you know, I think teaches to be humble. So uh, you are kind of pretty humble. And uh, I remember those kind of days and nights where I was sleeping at the, you know, office and uh, <laughs> doing uh, that, that sort of a kind of a, commitment that we had for the business. So we had that and, and with that, we were kind of gradually able to, to overcome the challenge, challenges and and, uh, and again, back to kind of how to do games. So uh, it was really those clients like EA Mobile. And, uh, you know, I think we learned a few things from uh, uh, Sumea guys as well. So we, we did games with them. So it, when I started, so I was just uh, willing to learn fast, being very humble and kind of uh, keen on moving where I thought that the puck was moving. And at the same time, it was really the kind of a more experienced clients that, that we were, you know, doing games with. That they helped us to learn the kind of that time production processes and, and these things. So and what is a kind of a game design document and so on. So because... How do you, at that time, at least when I studied, these things were not, you know, kind of a thought uh, in university or school. So uh, I think it was uh, great to get in so early because the mobile, it took, uh, I think, several false starts. So obviously the first era wasn't great business for, <laughs> you know, many, it was really hard. Uh, and uh, it took many, many years before, we are here, you know, in, in 21, when, when this absolute mass market. And, and uh, yeah, that's that's kind of, a uh, again, part of my story. Mm. Think about ex like this kind of educational experience there with your first company. How did you, how did you learn sort of like that management layer, sort of like to, to run a game studio? Have, do you have any thoughts there from like just thinking about those early moments when you were getting into leadership for the first time? Yeah, so um, a lot of things uh, changed for me, you know, kind of from a, my co-founders, from a team. And because in the in the very first start, most of the co-founders were like my friends. Mm. And then, you know, maybe there wasn't the kind of absolute commitment on the same level and uh, things kind of uh, life changes. So yeah. things changed and we, we had to kind of overcome that sort of a cap table uh, level, you know, changes. So how do you learn management? I think um, I was uh, reading a lot. So that's that's one thing that, um, and I think nowadays there's a lot, lot better, you know, kind of education material compared to that time. But there's always been, you know, some management books and, and stuff like that. So, and coming from university, you know, you learn certain things, you know, uh, the academy stuff a bit in uni 
then uh, I had my my own kind of examples as I was working for uh, actually Elisa, so on the telecom side for for the ISP, you know Columbus. So uh, obviously you you so I had some context. I think it's a more difficult thing if you are that sort of a first time founder that you have you have not ever worked with any organization and you have basically only maybe your you know kind of parents as or, or teachers. So I think it's. It's very helpful um, if um, you have seen a bit of a, you know organizations and business to 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 kind of uh, learn these things. And uh, I had some, uh, but a lot I've uh, learned uh, uh, during my journey so far. So um, and uh, later on, when uh, we started being successful, so the investors come in and and you are kind of building a board. So you have different type of uh, mentors that kind of. Uh, are giving you different type of advices, and uh, I think it's it's been the other founders who have been also always you know very helpful. Uh, you are you are kind of learning from them, and you are learning together. So um, that's how I've been doing it. Yeah, those are really. I, I totally agree that that's that's the way you really pick up is from learning from others. Yeah. So what do you think about like vision and mission uh, when you started your like companies and? like later as they grew uh, and like, do you think that entrepreneurs should be clear about the mission? Like, like these options for a game studio could be that we're doing these kind of games versus like doing a mission statement, which is sort of like in the area of, Hey, this is our role in creating entertainment for gamers, kind of like a purpose. Like what are your thoughts there? Yeah, it's, I think it really depends on you and on your team. So where are you coming from? Is this your first startup? How fat is your wallet? You know, so often, you know, if, if you are first time entrepreneur, you don't have that, if you're bootstrapping, you obviously don't necessarily have much of a choice to have super lofty, ambitious vision. So um, you, you you need to be more pragmatic, you know? So I think at least in my case, you know, there's there's always, I think there's been this vision, what example, mobile gaming can become already quite early on. But uh, I don't think I was afford to have as got a massively big mission or vision what we have now with huge games. So kind of a gradually when there's been more success, the kind of a, it has allowed ambition also to grow. So I think it's very helpful that you kind of have that sort of a North Star and, and something and that also maybe is helping you, you know, to differentiate from, from the others because, again, who you are, where you are coming from. And uh, I, would, I would say that it would be more important to make sure there's a very clear alignment what the founders want to do. So um, one of the biggest startup risks is a kind of founder or co-founder risk. You know, so I would advise, you know, in, instead of maybe obsessing too much, what is the articulation of the mission or vision statement, at least. So um, I think that that can kind of evolve within time. More important is that, you know, is the kind of a alignment, commitment level on the founder level. Do you know the people you are kind of teaming up, especially then, obviously, when the kind of investors and visas are coming in? Usually there's then these, you know, kind of investing structures and so on that maybe makes it a bit more easy. But often you see that the founders are, you know, splitting up the company. Often, you know, there's multiple founders, mm. equal splits, even because they, they want to be very, you know, kind of a all equal. And then the odds are pretty, especially the younger the people are, I think, you know, because there may be so significant, you know, life changes ahead. Yeah. So then, you know, things change and suddenly, you know, big portion of the company is in a kind of passive pocket. Yeah. And that's a problem. That's a really big problem for, you know, kind of startups because that sort of a passive ownership usually alienates investors. You know, that no one wants. So, and, and how do you overcome these things? So um, it's not always easy. I think it, if you choose to be a founder and do these things, so... It's it's very helpful that uh, if um, you are in that sense uh, resilient, if you, you can be giving up too easily because uh, it ain't that easy 
there's always, you know, kind of a difficult moments for all success stories. Usually, you know, that's, that's what I think. Yeah. I, I totally agree with the finding that alignment with the co-founders actually in my, the book I released last year, I have basically a chapter on that okay. topic. It's so, it's so crucial. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. You know, so, so often when, when you start, so you're so excited and uh, you don't think these things yeah. because you are so keen on moving forward. Mm-hmm. But uh, then, then especially, you know, often if these people don't know each other so well, so yeah, it, it can be a really big problem. And, and I've also seen, you know, uh, several that, that sort of a case happening. And uh, um, I think these are the things we can pass to the, you know, uh, younger generation uh, who's kind of starting their first startups to kind of pay attention. And uh, uh, I really appreciate what you are doing with your podcast. So uh, I think there's lots of uh, uh, wisdom and uh, valuable advice. Thanks, man. Hey, let's get more detailed into into the co-founder stuff <laughs> and, and found, founder kind of like life. Like I do see a lot of founders, myself as well, like struggle with their kind of like identity tied mm. to their company. And like as you had so much success with huge games, how do you think about your identity being tied to huge? And how do you manage that kind of relationship with you and the company? Mm. Yeah, that's that's an interesting uh, one. You know, what I do, that's my life. And this is my lifestyle. So, and that works very well for me. So, you know, I'm a family man. So I've also learned to, to you know, uh, how would I say, there needs to be a balance. Mm. There needs to be a balance in, in life. So, um, you know, I have I have my family. I have my kind of a business. But um, it is quite connected. So uh, kind of my work, and I've learned to accept, and I'm not sure if I ever even wanted that sort of a job, but my my job isn't happening in a traditional eight-hour kind of shifts. But um, I have to be highly adaptable and to certain extent always available as the business kind of never sleeps. Yeah. And it means that, I've learned time. I've learned to take time to do example sports, mm. and it best fits, you know, my calendar. So whether that's morning, you know, daytime or evening. So having having that sort of a flexibility and being kind of very adaptable, being open, so so that you're kind of a you are able to pull both kind of a business and family. It's not uh, always easy, but. Um, I've been doing it uh, for many years. So I think it's also given that I've been doing this soon for that 20 years. So kind of, I'm not sure if I fully understand uh, uh, your question myself, because for me, it's my life. It's my kind of a lifestyle yeah. that I've been doing for many, many years. And uh, certainly, you know, if you ask for my wife, She's saying that she, uh, I'm working too much, and uh, you know that mm-hmm. that sort of a things. But really, you know, um, it's been something that. Uh, um, how do you find that balance? I think um, I'm not sure if I have a extremely good uh, tip uh, or advice that would work for everyone because the life situations may be totally different. But maybe you ask something different, so uh, <laughs> uh, I'm uh, <laughs> happy yeah, to I- clarify my answer. Yeah, I think the lifestyle thing is really descriptive of what entrepreneurs are. It's a it's a choice to, you know, have that that kind of life. And like, of course, like for me, when when I'm doing, you know, a company like Elite Game Developers is a yeah. company for me. And if I'm trying to take a break, uh, it's it's sort of impossible to 100% shift my mind mind off of it. So it takes it would take like a week probably. But I think it's it's okay if you sort of like have a balance through kind of like understanding that it is your lifestyle choice and you're happy with the lifestyle. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing that you really need to love what you mm-hmm. do. So yeah. th- then it works. Yeah. Obviously, if, if, if your lifestyle is something that you kind of hate, that, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's not a good thing. And uh, um, also, I think it's it's a lot about kind of a, being a team and and what we uh call uh, 
uh, at huge games, you know, kind of a being team of teams. When you have uh, amazing colleagues, amazing team, that also helps because you can trust. You can trust on your kind of teammates and, and colleagues. And, and uh, so you don't need to be, we all have these moments that, uh, you know, we can't be at work and we don't want to be at work. But uh, same time, the business environment is so highly dynamic. And uh, if you truly want to, you know, build a successful company, I think you need to be very kind of adaptable, open-minded. And, and uh, um, it's, it's uh, in some life situations, it's harder than the others. That's why I, I'd say that at least for me, the very early years when things were in many ways, you know, more rough, uh, as I said, I was sometimes sleeping at the office and doing, you know, crazy stunts. Nowadays, you know, seeing, uh, I think I didn't have family at that time. So I think, you know, if, if you are same time, if you wait, it's always a good time, you know, to kind of build a new amazing company, regardless whether you are young or old. But uh, I think uh, often, you know, people, you know, when they start having family and uh, there's more responsibilities. So these are kind of a, a bigger weight on our shoulders. So uh, when, when, when it was only me, you know, I had less to lose, you know, if, mm-hmm. if that kind of a makes sense. So at least for me, it was uh, easier at that time to make that sort of a even wild decisions because you were not putting your kind of family at risk. But uh, many things again have changed since I started. I think there's the, the early stage kind of a startup uh, uh, funding uh, it's uh, easier. Uh, that's that's because at that time, think about when you and I started. Yeah. So uh, it it was totally different, and um, I'm not, I, I don't want to say that it would be kind of easy uh, nowadays either, because uh, there's a lot of competition as well. So, uh, but certainly uh, the size of the market and many things have uh, just um, yeah, it's a it's a different ball game. It is. Uh, I think about like this, like when you're younger, you can sort of like work hard 24 <laughs> seven, but like at least the the experiences that you gather over the years sort of balance that sort of like edge that you could still have when you have a family, you can't work hard 24 seven anymore. But like, I think it, it forces a more balanced yeah. kind of a, and, and uh, when, when you don't have that, it's easier, you know, to, 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 to just um, maybe, you know, be, absolute workaholic you know and and uh but uh that's that's also not the kind of a long-term solution for for anyone so uh that's why we we've seen you know probably some some burnouts and that sort of stuff so that balance is uh something that we all need to you know kind of uh, build our own skill and and uh learn learn how to do that and uh when when we are kind of a, the environment sometimes for startups is that um, there isn't uh, proper funding and, you know, different type of challenges and then the family stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not uh, easy to build uh, highly successful, high growth startups. And uh, I think usually, you know, behind uh, every success, there's a kind of a, there has been a struggle and, and some yeah. failures uh, as well. So I wanted to dig deeper into kind of like the founder aspect here. And since you've been a founder of now for huge games, being the CEO for years, like how do you feel sort of like that having a 600 employee company and the, the run rate of hundreds of millions, could you foresee this kind of size uh, when you were at the startup stage and when it started scaling? And I think the question here would be like, did you have moments of self-doubt and questioning yourself about the abilities of building this kind of organization, which is so well run as huge as is today? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Let me start with that. So for me, this journey has taken, you know, soon, soon that 20 years. So uh, I've certainly seen uh, different uh, chapters and um, there's been um, kind of a, moments that have been let's say beyond even my control and uh in those situations where certain things are you know kind of beyond your control uh can be difficult and you may be you know 
asking questions uh, about yourself and uh, what do you do. And I kind of remember that sort of a moment from the various uh, like a early stage. And usually, you know, when when the working capital things that in the early on in the company life cycle often you need to do a lot of work with the working capital because that's usually how it is. So uh, at least I didn't have that sort of a massive, you know, kind of a funding amounts early on. And and uh, when um, you are kind of scaling the company and building building um, something new and uh, still with somewhat limited, you know, kind of cash or very limited uh, kind of cash reserves. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a job. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I understand for many, it could be, you know, feels like, oh man, this is too much pressure that uh, I can't I can handle this. Where I was coming from, I just considered that I was kind of blessed that uh, it's a blessing to have a chance to try. Mm. That mindset for me that, you know, so I was I was never afraid of uh, kind of a, how would I say, failing or losing a game because yeah. I was so committed on that I will make this work. Eventually we did. And to your question about the size of the yeah. organization and did I foresee some... So certainly when... when um, I think I thought about it a um, few days ago on, on Facebook that um, it's been it's been a... The goal of huge. So, given that I had a chance to put the band back together in 2014, so I was always aiming to, you know, succeed way bigger than what I had done in the past. So, um, and uh, we, when, when in the kind of heyday of uh, Game Lion, we had 140 people. So, kind of in the early, already relatively early part of my career. On gaming, I was leading, I would say, sizable organization. So in that sense, it, it didn't feel completely new or something, you know. So I was kind of gradually growing uh, myself into this role. And, and uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't happen, you know, overnight. So, um, and mm. my role, my job. So I think every year has been different. You know, a lot of your role changes when you are kind of building building your team, kind of compared to the early days where you you are doing a lot and and kind of a involved with uh, different topics than uh, what I'm what I'm doing nowadays. And uh, I think it's been always a lot about then kind of bringing in talent, bringing in colleagues that you know have know how and skills that we don't have. So you are kind of a all the time seeking to make the team better. So while that happens, while the team is getting better and smarter, the individuals in the team are also growing. So it's kind of a positive growth cycle that I think the kind of successful startups are are able to do. And uh, yeah, it's it's fun. I couldn't think uh, doing anything myself. Yeah, man, that's good. Good to hear. How have you approached growth versus profitability? As huge has been growing as a company uh, since the founding all the way to today. So um, yeah, as as I mentioned a moment ago, so like the working the early days where you are quite you know kind of uh, spending a lot of uh, uh, time and attention on like a working capital management. So in, in that sense, um, the approach to kind of a crowd revenue and, and uh, profitability on EBITDA, certainly, you know, that has evolved uh, during the years, how we with. I think it's something, first of all, when we look at the businesses, you ask yourself, um, what is your kind of a, what are the data points? What is your confidence level to, to kind of a, make a smart, uh, profitable investment? So in the business of free-to-play, I think it's a question a lot about, you know, paybacks and, and uh, how do you kind of uh, see the future, you know, and, and uh, you, you, you are kind of assessing that and uh, then um, making a balanced decision, you know, between growth, kind of profitability now or profitability later on, you know, 
and and uh, I think you know how different companies do it at the different times. So um, yeah, that 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 of course varies. So um, some companies may have you know kind of a massive depths, and some some don't. So I don't think there's you know any kind of a one way certainly to how to look look at that. And uh, but the more profitable the companies are, so yeah, some some. You know, it also depends how the market is viewing. What is the market expectations, right? Are the markets expecting them, you know, to further, you know, grow uh, profitability, or is there more expectations on, you know, kind of making company a lot bigger? Uh, mm-hmm. So you are kind of balancing with these things, and and uh, then again, you know, are you a private or public company? That's that's also another, you know, kind of a difference difference there. So. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I can give you anything more on on that regard. Yeah, I, I'll ask another question here regarding like the early stage startup, sort of like your experiences early on versus now. Like, mm. how do you approach board meetings as a CEO, and what what is your board management style like? What did you want the board when you started huge? Did you set up a board at a certain round of financing? How how has it yeah. that evolved? That's a good. Good question. I think it's important to, you know, have your papers in order. So uh, I highly encourage, uh, of course, to make sure that um, even in the early on, if the, you know, company is very, very small and like doing maybe, you know, one one game and there isn't anything else. So, of course, uh, skip the formalities. There's no point, you know, but you want to have uh, all your documentation. In, in in order and uh, so you are you are pretty much when you start the company you start already thinking the next funding round or the funding options and and it's just helpful when you have all of the documentation you know kind of neatly and smartly done but other than that if if I think what we've done with the board so things changed uh, things are I think changing when when you are bringing in your investor so mm-hmm. you. The investor, you know, wants to have some some involvement or dialogue, and um, you know, quite often that kind of happens on a board level. Not always, but you know, and uh, I think at least for me, it's been very important to kind of see also that how can the company, how can I as a CEO be better, uh, succeed better uh, by playing together with with uh, with the board. So um, it's it's certainly been always um, like an extension of the team, and uh, I think you know how how much how operative, how much hands on, and and these things. So these all change quite a bit, you know, kind of whether you are tiny or whether you are you know very very big. But um, mm. I think it's also the kind of a chemistry that. Um, the, the the board you should be able to have meaningful conversations and kind of discuss about the business and uh, the direction so again i don't know what type of uh, the founding team would be are you a kind of a solo founder or is is there a team so um i think it's uh, important that uh, we all the ceos the founders that they have kind of a discussion partners who can challenge them, who can make questions and, uh, you know, have that sort of a healthy debate and, and dialogue. And, and uh, I think one of those, you know, kind of a layers is board. So, um, and uh, I've seen um, a lot of value and support coming from the board. So I've had uh, different different people at different times. And uh, yeah, it's been highly, highly kind of valuable uh, layer for me sometimes it may feel for you know founders as a something as a necessity that you know is it adding any value and and uh but then i think you are doing it all wrong so uh, uh or maybe you chose the kind of wrong people but i think you know the boards are definitely not some people look at the boards like a name dropping you know that they don't actually do anything but you want to have cer- certain names there to have a cool pitch, pitch deck. So I think there actually needs to be engagement and dialogue going going on. And uh, 
yeah, I'd, uh, uh, I'd, I'd kind of uh, highly recommend in, in uh, taking time to, to make the right um, kind of board hires. It's, it's like you are hiring your, yourself a board member. And at yeah. least for me, it's been usually, you know, um, also part, part of it uh, that there needs to be skin in the game. Mm-hmm. So I don't like that sort of a startup setups where there's uh, got a lot of board members, but none of them have invested in the, in the startup. I don't think that's a kind of a, not always impossible setup. So um, I don't want to say that that would apply always and forever but usually you know in the if, if if you are going to bring somebody on a very early early kind of stage of the company so if that doesn't have a kind of courage or buy-in and and uh so uh yeah why, why is he then uh joining the board so okay. uh that 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 would be my my advice so uh and uh yeah then then don't don't grow the board too big too fast yeah so uh, I think it's 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 wise to keep it compact and and um, uh, choose the people wisely and and uh, if you have a choice uh, you always have a choice but uh, I mean in terms of raising funding and so on and and uh, um, yeah I've seen um, kind of a startups facing difficulties when when um, the kind of a board layer has been messed up and uh, that's a kind of a terrible way to <laughs> fuck up startup. Yeah, it's it's not very helpful if the board can't work together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. What do you think about these kind of big strategic decisions like let's say an expansion into a new genre in gaming or an acquisition of a of another company? Like how do you approach making those kind of decisions where where it's going to be a much bigger decision versus a smaller one? Yeah, so I think there there it helps um, that you kind of spend time on the mission, vision level, that you have this type of a more kind of a long-term view, what you want to do. So is that kind of, first of all, aligned with, with that long-term plan? And and uh, so that, that, that would be kind of an important starting point. And uh, yeah, then, then, you know, if you look at something big, you know, usually it's a kind of multi-year investment. So you can't be looking at, usually, you know, companies when they do budgets and stuff, they tend to be, you know, kind of a, usually covering the 12 months. Sometimes if it's a bigger decision, it may be a kind of multi-year operation. And I think that that kind of then requires uh, careful thinking and planning and um, that sort of a sort of a things. But we do... How we do it uh, is um, we also found uh, this uh, uh, Google John Doerr, the OKR OKR system, and uh, and we built our own hubs, huge objectives and priorities. We we, we talk about so that's that's a, like a system, a management uh, system for us that that kind of sets the big objectives and goals and uh, certainly helps us to make those smaller decisions and because uh, often what happens is that if you don't have a clear idea of those kind of uh, big objectives you start doing things that is not aligned or connected with those things so that that when the organization has kind of grown a lot uh, building this type of uh, processes and systems and you know upgrading how you as an organization, operate it's been kind of crucial to our success and and uh so um these because yeah big decisions small decisions ideally they are very connected and part of this you know grand plan you hopefully should be working uh when when you are building a startup yeah then thinking about those decisions when they don't work out or there's you know an outcome that wasn't you know the one you wanted do you how do you kind of go through what happened? Do you do postmortems? Do you do you look at like uh, what went wrong? Because I, I think it's it's very hard for startups who are you know moving so fast to actually stop for a while and think about these things. Yeah, there's I think there's tendency towards action, you know. So uh, so often you know you start as a developer or already you know coding or doing 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 stuff. I think what you say is that. Even in the kind of event of a 
failure or kind of a pivot or moving moving forward. It would be important to address the why. Why are you doing it? And uh, the bigger the theme, the, the more important that would be because there will be others who will be then thinking that why did that happen? And, yeah. and uh, you know, I think um, it, it is important to be fast, but you also, if you are kind of a pivoting, so I think it's equally important to kind of be spending the time to address the why, why we do this. And uh, I think it was uh, just a couple of days ago, you know, we, we were discussing about these, you know, kind of a typical mistakes when gaming startups are pivoting. They do a game, then they say that, okay, it failed, and they do something completely different. The better thing would be to spend a bit more time. Why did this fail? Maybe trying to kind of, a, not to do a complete U-turn, you know, and uh, take more of the assets and stuff that what was working. So, because usually it's not that everything would have failed. So, um, and, and uh, that's that's the thing that, yeah, analyzing that why and uh, is is that because you as a product person or you know kind of startup founder don't believe or think that you had kind of wrong ideas in the beginning or is what what is the data telling you that that sort of a things I think it's yeah really really important otherwise you are just jamming if you kind of jump from idea to another without really you know doing the thinking and uh, addressing the why part. Yeah, makes total sense, man. It, then think about the the kind of making a move, like like you went with huge to the to casino space back in the day, which already had a lot of it, dominant players. Yeah, uh, all, all, I'm I'm always you know just fast correcting that we are doing free to play. So uh, uh, some something you know, as uh, some people um, uh, obviously sometimes uh, don't understand the kind of differences between uh, real money gambling and um, the uh, free to play. So thinking about a startup, a gaming studio, that's there are many who are going into these competitive spaces. Like, let's say, you know, I would be a founder doing a, a merge game now, where there's a lot of competition already there, or even going into hyper casual now. Like it's it's a bit late, maybe. But what do you think about like entering a, a crowded space? Yeah, there's. Certainly, you know, competition in uh, kind of a various parts of the gaming gaming market. I think it's important to do your homework. So, uh, you know, now nowadays, um, why would you, before you would uh, kind of go into a battle? I think the smart teams they would be first studying, you know, the kind of uh, reference games, the benchmark games, inside out. You know, uh, you would be looking at Annie's, you would be looking game refineries, you know, and listening what you are saying on a podcast or Miska on uh, Dof. So you, you, you certainly, you would like to, you know, do your homework well before kind of a rushing into doing your game because you can learn so much by analyzing these games. And, and uh, I think that's, that's how the industry um, is kind of a, it's super transparent if you think about it. You know, there's we, we you can see from App Annie. So we use the paid app Annie. So I'm not fully sure actually what you can nowadays see on, on the on the free version. But to, to kind of my point that in in order if you would be going into a kind of crowded space, yeah, it 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 would be uh important to really, you know, uh understand um the category or the core game and, and then what type of uh, features meta games these these games have used and try to have a good understanding of the why is certain game successful you know yeah. that's that's what you like to understand and and then you understand that better you can start formulating your own why you know for your product that okay if we do this and that we, we do that bit you don't want to kind of uh, doing everything completely differently either so if you are going to a kind of a crowded space there's probably something that the players are already you know kind of loving some part and um, i think if you try to kind of a, have a completely blank canvas you don't do any homework and and uh, 
it's probably taking more time and more expensive and uh you know what why to do that so uh that that would be the first first thing and uh then you know based on after you analyze the competitive space and the market so uh sometimes the production cycles may be also the bigger you know the kind of a, the game type would may take time so like the merge there's probably a few studios now doing merge so if you now start doing it the competitive landscape may be you know looking somewhat different when you get your game out so you need to bit also think about those those aspects as well and uh of course it's a lot about the team it's not that every team would be the best team for every possible game on the yeah. planet uh, i think it's it's also you know that if you if you want to start doing so usually it would be very helpful that this team would have already you know existing experience and kind of a know within that sort of a space of, so uh and and instead of you know if you let's talk about match 3 yeah. so if you do you know your first match 3 game versus that you've done several so uh i think it's a it's a kind of a yeah do your homework well and uh what are your kind of a skills and advantages and strengths as a team and uh, then just um, coming up a solid plan or plans you know kind of different options that how could you still you know kind of a, what would make your your game uh, worthy to to kind of uh, succeed on the space where there's already you know multiple games being offered and promoted and and, and so on and uh, yeah you 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 certainly fail if you uh, don't try at all so uh i think that's the that's the important thing that uh i i encourage um to people to try and uh but it's important that uh, people would also do it smartly and uh otherwise there's a awful amount of waste <laughs> being it because uh when you are building new things and uh, on a kind of competitive space like game of course there's uh going to be failures mm. and, and What is a failure if that kind of sparks into something that works? So at least I've I've also started to have a more long-term view when we when we do these things, and uh, it certainly then helps to green light and justify certain things because uh, you know that the odds might be that this specific thing that you do right now may be failing, and the the kind of long-term plan what you offer it's aligned with that. And within time, this amazing team that you have, we will find success. You have a kind of strong conviction for those things. So if you don't have conviction, so and and yeah, maybe it's better to do something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that the whole like you mentioned, the green light. That's an interesting concept that I think a lot of developers think that okay, it happens once, uh, like in a project. But I would say like it's more about like how can you have a lot of You know these steps where you have to green light a hypothesis like on what you're doing. Yeah, it's... exactly. I, I think you need to be kind of green lighting to a certain extent all the time. You are if if circumstances change mm. and the market is highly dynamic. So uh, I I think that's why um, you need to you know kind of focus on your own thing and find that come come up the idea of, of that. But it's At least we we've also played a lot of competitive games always, you know. Mm. Uh, example, my my one of my close colleagues, you go into a meeting with him, he's always playing games. It's like mm. you know, come on, come, can you can you focus on me? But he's actually doing his job. So yeah. part of his job is just to know the landscape like his own pocket, and and uh, instead of just you know starting to build yourself without first. Uh, really really you know analyzing studying and knowing the competitive games and knowing you know why the players love those games and and uh i think it helps then finding your own thing if if you have that sort of a very good uh 360 holistic understanding and that means a lot of uh gaming for the <laughs> product people so uh i think it's highly important uh, part of um being su- successful uh, uh like in this business that need to play these games quite a lot yeah i totally agree with that uh, i i talked to to some of your investors and like many people 
talked about, like they described you as a high energy leader. Like, how do you find energy and keep yourself going? Uh, I sports, so that's it that you know, maybe, uh, maybe the sports um, is one thing that has been energizing me. Uh, yeah, I, I I think so. So uh, I think I uh, been um, it's it's part of uh, of course a personal kind of trait, and um, when um, you are building a startup and you have this big dream and uh so um i think it's helpful that you are kind of a positive and uh driving that sort of uh, energy into others as well mm-hmm. into the team so you need to be the leader uh and the kind of a coach and uh doing many things to get the others to play together and uh for me it's been it's my life it's my lifestyle and uh I like it a lot, so uh, that's certainly kind of a, my my thing. And uh, then the high high energy levels. So I think at least my thing has been to do sports pretty much every day. So uh, I need to get uh, my endorphin uh, kind of spike to keep keep up uh, the high high ener- energy levels kind of day after day. Yeah, man, that's really good. That's like a very good advice for any founder to to keep sort of like some kind of routine of working out and stuff like that too yeah i think if you if you want to be professional think of what the old romans were saying that you know it's a (laughs) a healthy healthy mind in a healthy body and uh that's why it's i've also seen some some of my kind of uh, industry colleagues and uh if they don't take care of uh, themselves uh yeah it's not good so uh people you know do sports, do it often. It's good for your health. It is. It is. Before we go to the final question, thinking about your startup career with Game Lion, with especially with huge nowadays, like what would you have done differently if you could go back in time? Or is there anything like that? Mm, I wish I would have all the data points and you know, no, no, all that. So I think we could have uh, grown even even faster. I think many things have uh, kind of gone right with uh, huge games. It hasn't been absolutely, you know, kind of optimal uh, mm. in in all parts. So, of course, we have had uh, kind of done mistakes and that that sort of things. I don't think there's any, you know, kind of a mega big thing that I would have a big regrets that I would like to go back and change things. Uh, if I took more kind of a longer perspective, so I often felt before buying huge pack that I had been kind of victim of my own success, that I sold the first startup, you know, before the touchscreen gaming and the Facebook, you know, kind of a canvas gold rush started. And to some extent I missed those. I, my hands were pretty much tied. So mm-hmm. at that at that time, you know, I kind of, uh, uh, I remember that I was, I was having a bit regrets that why did I? Did I do it? But then, then uh, when um, things uh, turned uh, exactly how I was uh, dreaming and you know working very hard to change the reality into such, so eventually, then in 2014, I had the chance to buy the company back and put the band back together. And since that, I don't think there hasn't been any kind of big thing that I would regret a lot from a business point of view. I think we could have been in in certain cases more aggressive on the M&A side, you know. So when our business, uh, we are building games, but we are also act- actively doing buy, you know, investing, publishing and uh, M&A. So I think maybe, maybe you know, still um, in the earlier days, uh, perhaps I was a bit more conservative and, and uh, I could have been more aggressive. So, um, but... I don't see that. Or who knows how those things would have turned? So it's yeah. it, the whole discussion gets then very weird. But if you are like you know analyzing yourself and trying to coach, what could I have done still better? So uh, maybe maybe that's that's the one point that uh, we could have been uh, kind of uh, earlier on paying more attention for the M and A, uh, and same time the company has grown so much that. 
I think uh, we've had uh, our focus on the right places. And uh, in that sense, uh, uh, I'm not complaining at all. Yeah. Hey, let's go to some final questions here. What's your favorite book and why? Yeah, I know you you asked this. It's a big question to ask. Uh, any, um, you know, I'm I'm a fantasy role playing geek. So besides playing games, computer games, I was playing, you know, uh, pen and paper role playing games, fantasy and PC games as well. So if I think of the book, all time book for me, what that would be. So I still remember when I was 13 years old. So me and my buddy, we were reading Lord of the Rings at the same time. And uh, I think we were kind of living in the Middle Earth when we when we were playing those pen and paper uh, role-playing games and reading that book. So that was an amazing experience. And uh, I think uh, it's an amazing book that has also influenced a lot how the whole fantasy landscape you know, looks today. So I think if you ask me to choose one book so and uh, the reading experience was uh, just uh, amazing at that time i've read other good books business books lately and that sort of stuff but i think there's uh, no other book that would have made uh, such a big impact on on me yeah that's a good one do you have a story that has shaped you in how you approach your work today haven't we Already, you know, discussed quite many stories. <laughs> we <laughs> need one more. <laughs> story that would have shaped how I approach work today. Yeah, you know, certainly, you know, by kind of being dead, dead already. I think the whole journey, you know, coming to buy the company back. So later on, now in the huge journey, when we faced difficulties, they haven't felt that big because I know that I was already dead once and we came back. So that, that kind of has given me strength and courage in, in, and and kind of shaped who I am because uh, at that time, again, it wasn't in my control. I was kind of uh, keen on buying the company back, but how do you do that sort of things when the cap table is, you know, what it is. So things, things had to, and I kind of let go the business. And, and uh, I, I realized that if you truly love somebody, you need to set them free or mm. how the song, song goes. I did that and eventually the business came back, kind of asking a bit my help and, and that sort of it. And during those times, I kind of considered that I was kind of a dead. You know, I, I didn't exist in, in that business. So after I got the business, um, again, the team... Uh, uh, back together, so um, even even you know bumps on the road, they're not kind of having a big impact on me because mm-hmm. I knew that hey, there's been a kind of a much far bigger problems what we've had and we overcame those in those times. So yeah. uh, I think it it just gave me a different perspective and uh, and and help help me. So. Uh, I would I would have to you know pick that one and uh, even I've talked about that uh, already enough I think yeah man that's a really good one as the final question how can entrepreneurs people who are building a games studio how could they get in touch with you to ask you know questions and stuff yeah they can always hit me on LinkedIn or email but uh, please be mindful don't do combo so. You know those dudes uh, that hit you at the same time on all the goddamn channels. <laughs> uh, so for me, one message is uh, enough. I don't always can read immediately, and I don't always uh, reply. But often I do, and uh, I'm always keen on building more success together and uh, with startups, and definitely looking forward teaming up with the best creators and game developers out there. So uh, I'm always, you know, kind of very grateful when people are checking in and uh, doing my best to help out uh, the kind of fellow founders starting their businesses. And uh, that's kind of, again, the lifestyle that I've chosen. And uh, I think it's uh, 
super fun and it's been good business as well to be you know playing together uh with the other founders yes thanks so much anton this was so much fun hopefully you get to go to the skiing uh outside before it melts away yeah i think we'll uh enjoy a good winter for hopefully weeks and months to come so uh i'm a positive guy uh you have a good day and uh, we talk more soon yes thanks Thanks again, Anton, for coming on the show. If you like our content, please do hit or follow to our show on your favorite podcasting app so that you'll get notified when next week's episode is available. And if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter yet, you should definitely do so by going to EliteGameDevelopers.com. You'll find a link there to subscribe. So this was everything for this week. Hope you have a good week and stay safe and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.